Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs. In this episode, we'll be in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 17, uh, going down through verse 23, just the next couple of stories here. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 17. Now, last time we talked about the start of Matthew chapter 20, the entire first 16 verses, which is really just Jesus telling one long story, one long parable. A parable about a landowner who hires a bunch of people to go work for him and uh, be effective in his vineyard. And of course, the moral, I guess, or the the conclusion of that story from last time is that these men who work little in the vineyard, who have dedicated very little of their time and lives to the vineyard, well, they still worked. And so the master is generous and the master gives to his people, to his workers. Um, regardless of when you came in, regardless of how much work you put out, the master gives and he's going to be kind like that. And so don't be jealous, right? Don't be irritated that other people work less than you but get the same as you because honestly, all of it's the grace of the landowner, the grace of God anyway, and you don't actually deserve anything. So you're getting better than you deserve by being paid at all. Be thankful for what you have. And of course, this seems to be in response to the end of Matthew 19 when, um, when Jesus said, hey, you need to be able to give up what you've got. Peter said there, of, of course we've given up what we've got. What do we get from it? And Jesus says, basically, well, you're going to get the same as anyone else who dedicates themselves to God. And so it doesn't matter what role you fill, and it doesn't matter how many years you're faithful, I guess. If God rewards you, it's the same reward. And so just stay faithful while you can, while you know that you should. Just stay in that condition and work for God. So the last will be first, and the first last. That's what we ended with last time. That's what nine, chapter 19 kind of ends with. Uh, a little bit of a rephrasing of that, I guess. But chapter uh, 20, verse 16 also ends in this phrase, the last will be first, and the first last. You've got to put yourself last. You can't be trying to put yourself first. You can't be trying to say, oh, hey, we were the original workers, so we deserve way more than everybody else. No, that's not how that works. You can't be doing that. Don't have that attitude. And so picking up from there, we uh, let's read Matthew 20, starting in verse 17. Matthew 20, verse 17. While going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the twelve disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised. So Jesus is traveling, of course, he's going up to this great city of Jerusalem. What a wonderful place it's going to be, especially in regards to how it treats him, right? And of course, we've seen this before. We've seen this a couple times, actually. Uh, if you remember back to Matthew chapter 16, after the uh, great confession, as we call it, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, what Jesus immediately begins to do is he says, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer many things from the, the Jewish leaders, and I'll be killed and be raised. And of course, that's where Peter says no, and Jesus says, you're an idiot, Peter, please stop. Um, 
We also see this in chapter 17 in verse 22 and 23 when Jesus says, Hey, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They'll kill him, and on the third day he'll be raised up. Well, let's combine those two ideas, and let's put them in Matthew 20. When Jesus says the third time, Hey, I am going up to Jerusalem, right, like chapter 16, uh, the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, firstly, but then also to the Gentiles, so that's the Jewish leaders from chapter 16, but also the uh, the world, the just man from chapter 17, um, and they'll condemn him to death, but the Gentiles are going to make it happen, they're going to crucify him, but ultimately he's going to be raised. And so it's this combination of these two ideas that we've seen beforehand, but here they are combined into just one, one display, one speech, one little uh, snippet of Jesus's conversation. Hey, twelve disciples, you need to know that this is coming. And of course, this tells you uh, a couple of pretty important things. Um, that, well, actually, no, just one pretty important thing. I already talked about the other one. Um, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen, and it's not like anything is going to be a surprise to him. Now, if you wanted to, you could argue back in chapter 16 and 17, he didn't know the full picture. I don't really know why you would argue that, but you could. Um, but at least at this point, at least if Jesus hasn't figured it out beforehand, he spells it out pretty clearly in verses, seven, er, in verses 18 and 19, this is what's going to happen. It's the Jews, but it's also the Gentiles working together. It is death, but it is also torture. But at the end of it, it's all going to work out okay because he's going to come back. And so he's had snippets of this beforehand given to the disciples, I think according to what they could take at the time, according to what they could comprehend. And now he's putting it all together and saying, this is what's going to happen. Hey, it's a prophecy about the future. I'm telling you so that you are forewarned and when this happens, don't lose your faith. Because I knew this was going to happen the whole time. It's not like it's a surprise. It's not like it's a secret. I, I need you to stay faithful even when the bad things come. And so Jesus drops that there um, just to the disciples, just to them privately. He knows exactly what he's getting into. He knows exactly where this is going to. And he knows the entire end result and what's going to come about after this. I, I remembered the second thing, um, the second important thing. I didn't already say it, apparently. Um, remember, this is coming off the heels of verse 16. The last will be first, and the first the last. Who is the first? Well, that's pretty clearly Jesus himself, right? He is the first. He is the most important and yet, even with that, he decides to take this, this verse 18 and 19 root, this death and, and dishonor and everything bad that's coming to him. He puts himself last, and that makes him the first. That is what makes him the first. And, and the disciples who are trying to put themselves first, hoping that they'll stay there, what he's saying is, you're, you're going to be the last. You can't you can't glorify yourself by glorifying yourself. No, you glorify yourself by humbling yourself. And humility is what God gives glory to, not the self-promotion, not the braggadociousness. And so Jesus even sets his own example for the disciples that the last will be first and the first will be last. Here's what it looks like. And Jesus is asking them to imitate him. We'll come back to that at the end.
Now, let's pick up reading in verse 20. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons. She knelt down to ask him for something. What do you want? he asked her. Promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am able to drink, that I am about to drink? We are able, they told him. So he told them, You will indeed drink the cup. But to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it was for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. So um, Zebedee's sons, right, James and John, their mother comes to Jesus. This is a weird story, kind of. Uh, it, it's, it's just very odd. Uh, James and John's mother comes to Jesus, and she just kneels down, you know, proper respect and everything. Okay, that's appreciated. Uh, and Jesus asks, hey, what do you want? And she says, well, uh, you should glorify my two sons. Why did she ask that? Right, and a lot of people, um, a lot of people, especially since Jesus' response is right back to her in verse 22, but then who responds to the, uh, he, he asks, are you able to drink the cup I am about to drink? He asks that right back to the woman, it seems, but then her son's answer, and there's probably something in Greek, that you in verse 22, that's probably a plural you, where he's just talking to James and John, uh, because it's pretty clear that they're the ones who are asking this, right? And so maybe if it's from the mother, maybe she's trying to glorify them. She's trying to give something nice for her sons and a legacy that she's setting up for them. But I don't know. It seems kind of like James and John are just trying to uh, glorify themselves. Interesting application of last will be first, first will be last. I don't think they were listening all that well. But they just heard... Right? They just heard about what's going to happen to Jesus. They just heard about what he's going to go through. And now their mom is basically asking for them to go through the same thing. They are volunteering to go through the same thing. Whether it's through her or just immediately afterwards, they are volunteering to go through the same kind of things that Jesus is going through. And he literally says, you have no idea what you're talking about. What do you think you're going to get out of this? Are you really able to deal with the same kind of things that I am? And they say, yes, we are. And so Jesus says, fine. Okay, you want it, you've got it. You can deal with all the same problems that I have. You can have to fight all the same struggles that I have. You can, you can be put upon and oppressed like I am. But just don't think that that's going to get you anything. Because God decides that, and I'm not, I'm not going to put you guys in power. I'm not able to. God's decided who's sitting where, and it is not up to me. And so, sure, enjoy your extra work that you just signed up for, but you don't know what you're talking about, and it's really not going to get you anything. Can you take Jesus' lot? Sure, they're going to try to. God will allow them to be, te be tested like that, I guess. But uh, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. Now, uh, just a, one side note before we finish this section. You will indeed drink my cup in verse 23. Firstly, this is a 
cup of the wrath of God uh, is typically how it's personified in the Old Testament. I believe it's it's Jeremiah somewhere. I don't remember exactly what chapter um, is like famous for this. I think it's twenty two. No, hold on. Uh, okay, yes, uh, after brief consultation, it's uh, Jeremiah 25, actually. 25, starting in verse 15, is kind of like the super famous passage where uh, God forces the cup of his wrath on the nations of the world, and they have to deal with it. Um, the cup seems to be the symbol of God's judgment on people, and Jesus is taking that. And so when he asks them, are you really able to deal with the judgment of God? They're saying yes. And so they will get to whatever that looks like. Um, but they are taking a very serious responsibility on themselves, just like Jesus has taken a very serious responsibility. Um, and, you know, good on them for doing that, honestly. If they're, Now, if their motivation is to try and glorify themselves, maybe not as much. But if their motivation is trying to be like Jesus, and even to the extent that they're willing to suffer the things he suffered, uh, maybe that could be a good thing, so it kind of depends on how you read this passage. Jesus doesn't rebuke them for doing this, he just says it's maybe not going to profit you anything, um, and again, we'll talk about that at the end. But of course, there are always questions on what exactly does this look like, what did this look like in the lives of James and John? Uh, drinking Jesus's cup. I have no idea, right? Uh, we're not told. We're not. It's not specified that I recall anywhere. Um, but here's the theory I've heard. So take this for what you will. I have no idea. Again, um, this is just a suggestion. But James, you'll remember, is the uh, first apostle who's killed. That's in Acts chapter 12, and it also just happens very randomly, right? Uh, it just says, now it came about at that time that uh, James, that Herod beheaded James, the brother of John. Okay, so James is the first one to go, and it's kind of random, and it's kind of just bizarre. It just happens, and there's not much ceremony to it. Well, John, then, is the last one to go. Traditionally, he writes the Gospel of John, and he writes the three epistles, and then he also writes the, go uh, the not the Gospel, the uh, Revelation, or the Apocalypse, which I really like the name of. Um, and he writes that from his little exiled island in of Patmos, and where he was exiled as an old man, and he outlives all of the apostles and seems to die of old age, the only one of them who doesn't die a martyr. So what does that mean? I'm not exactly sure. But maybe, maybe, this is talking about the first apostle to be martyred, and maybe there's a doubt there. Can you really be an apostle if you're just going to get killed by a normal human being? By a normal king that God's just going to strike down later in the chapter anyway? I mean, Peter, in that same chapter, doesn't get martyred. He gets rescued from it. Maybe James wasn't a real apostle. I don't know. Is that something he had to deal with? And then John, of course, at the end of his life, John, having looked back and seeing all of the other 11 apostles, not Judas, but counting Matthias, um... All of these other 11 apostles having been martyred, and then John realizing he's not going to be, does that make him not a real apostle? Does that make him a fake follower of Jesus? That all the other apostles had to face this fate, and yet John didn't? Is he not one with them? 
And, and so maybe there's something there. The first to die of the apostles and the last to die, these are bookends that all the rest of the apostles kind of fall into, and they all die during this time frame between the death of James and John. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what this cup of the wrath of God means, but I I don't know. It's just a weird coincidence, and I think there might be something to it. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not, I'm not even exactly sure what it is that there is to it. It's just an interesting consideration. Whatever the case, yes, you will be tried like Jesus is tried. You will take the wrath of God on you. But ultimately, it doesn't really mean anything. So let's talk about just a couple of applications, just two ideas as we come down to the end here. Um, the first one is in verse 16, actually, which is a verse we covered last week. But the idea that last will be first and the first will be last, then leading into 17 through 19, where Jesus the first, is, not Jesus the first, but Jesus who is the first, is saying, hey, uh, this is what being first looks like. This is what the humility looks like. This is the mindset of being the first. That you're not the first to you're you're not the first to benefit. You're not the first to glorify yourself. No, you're the first to serve everybody else. You're the one who grew up the fastest, so you get to do the work before anybody else does. Right? That's the idea of being the first. If you want to be the first, you are going to be the servant. And if if you want to be the servant, ultimately you will end up being the first. But if you, if you just try to be the servant because you want to be the first, not because you love God, not because you're doing it for a real reason, um, maybe that won't work out for you. The call is to be humble, and then God will ultimately glorify you at some point. The call is not to be humble so that you get glorified. No, the call is to be humble, to serve God, to follow Jesus in what he did. And what did Jesus do but humble himself even up until the point of death and even through death? And of course, ultimately that worked out for him and that went pretty well and he ended up getting life after it. Y'all, if we're willing to be humble, we will be glorified ultimately. But that's not really, uh, maybe that's the motivation for it. That shouldn't be, I don't think that should be the front and center motivation, but that is a motivation. We will gain at the end if we give up now but here's the other piece of that is just you follow jesus and you follow jesus in death even up to death and that means you get to follow jesus in life as well if you follow jesus even up to him dying you will follow him into his resurrection and life eternal after that so be humble and your reward is coming eventually it's just not right now, and wait for it. Be humble like Jesus is humble. And the second idea comes from verse 23. You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and my left is not mine to give. James and John volunteered for extra work, right? James and John decided that they would do extra things to prove themselves to God, I guess. Uh, maybe that's a more cynical way of looking at it. But they decided they had something to prove. They decided they had a point to make, and they were going to do it. Um, and what Jesus says is, sure, you can have extra work, but that doesn't guarantee you anything. Right? 
sure, you can teach Bible classes. Sure, you can read the Bible a little bit more than a normal than an average Christian does. Sure, you can uh, help the sick and go visit people in the hospitals. Great. Does that mean you have a more privileged spot in heaven? Does that mean that you're closer to God's throne in heaven? Probably not. Because ultimately everybody gets the same reward. That was the entire point of the story in the first part of chapter 20. And apparently James and John just didn't get that one. Everybody will get the same. And that doesn't mean, right? Because I say that and now you can think, well... If everybody's going to get the same, I don't have to read my Bible as much as anybody else. Because ultimately, I'm just going to get the same good reward that they're going to get. Well, no. Because your reward is based on your work. Right? And it's this complicated process. Because your merit is entirely based on God. I can't justify myself. I can't do anything to save myself. It's all dependent on what God gives to me. But that doesn't mean I get to slack off, and that doesn't mean I get to abuse his grace and just live with it and just hope that it covers all of my evil that I don't try to fix. Because while your merit is based on God and not based on your work, you're also created to do work and to to actually do something with the faith that you have. You can't just let it sit. And so do you visit people in the hospital because you can? Good. It's not going to get you a higher place in heaven. But if you can do it, and you choose not to do it, might that restrict you from going to heaven in the first place? Well, maybe. Right? If you can study the Bible, if you can learn the will of God, if you, if you can live like Jesus, uh, and you do, well, good. That's not going to get you a higher place in heaven. But if you can live like God, and you choose not to, that's going to stop you from getting to heaven in the first place. And so again, your merit, your it's, it's based on God's grace, but it's not an abusive relationship. And it's not something that we can say, well, it's not based on my work, so I don't have to work. No, read Ephesians 2. Uh, Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10, I believe, are the classic illustration of this. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, so that no one may boast. Uh, it's not of your own works, but we were created for good works that we're supposed to do because that's what God says. And so don't think you're justifying yourself, but realize that in, in, in some degree you are working, you are trying to do the right thing because that is a justification of yourself, at least as far as it is saying, God, I am trying my best to be like you are. And I can't do it, but I'm trying my best. And so God's grace is going to fill that. But if our perspective is, well, I don't have to work, well, we're just never going to get to heaven in the first place. So our motivation needs to be serving God, needs to be doing the right thing. And our motivation can't just be, well, I want to be on Jesus's right hand, therefore I'm going to take on extra trouble. Right? That's not how heaven works. But heaven does, at least to my understanding, if I take on the troubles of life, and if I do live like Jesus, and if I do my best to be like him, then I will get to be in heaven and have that reward, along with everybody else. People who have worked more years than I have and less years than I have. People who have obtained a greater Bible knowledge and a lesser Bible knowledge. And we'll all be able to share because we wanted to live like Christ and because we worked like it. 
make sure that's your motivation, to serve God, not just to get stuff out of heaven. Well, I hope that's helpful for you and those those couple of ideas or something to think about. Um, we're getting up until uh, in... Well, really, in a couple episodes from now, we'll actually be in what's called the Passion Week, and I know we're like a month late for that already, um, but we're about to Matthew 21, and that means the last few chapters of the book. Um, one more speech to go, one more sermon in, in chapters 23 to 25, so look forward to that. Um, and we'll finish up this. We'll finish up this chapter next episode, and then we'll be able to start into 21 to 28, which is the last week of Jesus's life, and all the events that go down there, because there is so so much. So thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed. Hope you've benefited from this, and that you you have something to think about now at least. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you on the next episode of Biblical Breadcrumbs. <laughs>